start. Let me just apologise. Listen to this. Oh, you didn't hear it. That's good. That's a good sign. I picked up sparkling water instead of plain water. So I apologise if there's any fizzing noises. It's not a gin and tonic. It's for sparkling water. There's a full water bottle. I like sparkling though, that's nice. <laughs> okay. So, what an amazing morning. Isn't it amazing that we have got the fullness of Christ, we've got the fullness of everything. He's given us everything. He's not given us like stingy little measures, but we've got everything. And as Jamie said, it's all about a road of discovery, of just discovering more and more and more. And I've really enjoyed putting this together. This is something that I think about um, with all my questions, you know, that I like to ask God and then my random conversations with him. But I really hope and I'm praying that with God, you will just give us a bigger revelation. Just help us understand more. We want to connect even more deeply with you and we want to be really aware of your presence throughout our day. And we really want to know you more. I want to be so intertwined with you, Jesus, that, you know, when we say that, you, you know, we are one, you are in us and we are in you, I want it to affect how I live. I want it to affect how we live, how we think, speak, act, react, and do everything. Amen. Right, okay, I've got a confession. This is a story. story of when I was a kid, right, I'm talking primary school age, I was quite young, I seriously, totally, honestly thought you couldn't hurt a boy. But, <laughs> you know, I don't remember the playground, right, so boys were, you know, they, when you did all the role plays and playing out, they'd do all the tough jobs and that, and girls, you know, you're silly, could you cry, right, and it was like, you couldn't win a race against the boy, you wasn't stronger than a boy, and all of that sort of stuff, so I really honestly and innocently grew up thinking, you couldn't hurt a boy, you could hit him as hard as you want, and because they didn't cry, and because they didn't flinch or anything like that, it didn't hurt, and I genuinely thought that until I whacked my dad with um, a, a stick when I was playing doctors and nurses, I did learn that. But, you know, that is so not true. Obviously, I did discover that, and that is not the case. And, you know, in recent times, there's all been, all been this talk about men's mental health, isn't there? About, you know, how they do feel, they do hurt, they do cry, they feel the pain, they do react, they have all of these things. And, and there's just this sort of worldview that men have got to be tough and you know, you can't do this, that and the other, um, but they do. And so does Jesus. Jesus hurts. Jesus feels pain. Jesus feels every single emotion that we do. Okay, so he was fully God as well as fully man. And he's totally human and he's totally divine at the same time. And as fully man, he stepped into human form and he took on all that we experience um, as emotional beings. He clothed himself in humanity and will never ever unclothe himself of that. Okay? He's totally human without sin and he has the full range of emotions created by himself, created by God, but perfect in every way. Okay? And Calvin says, he's got this quote, right? The son of God, having clothed himself with our flesh of his own accord, clothed himself also with human feelings so that he did not differ from, at all from his brethren, sin only accepted. So Jesus felt stuff. He really felt stuff. So, two ticks. 
So what are emotions? I just want to just cover a little bit of that, okay? So there are tons of emotions that we, you know, can uh, feel. There's massive long lists, I looked at that. But there's these core ones, so I'm just going to just focus on these for now. So there's joy and happiness, there's surprise, fear, disgust, anger and sadness. And these are the building blocks to all the many other emotions. And emotions are generated... I've just realised I'm saying all this in front of a psychiatrist. <laughs> you can correct me. This is my journey. <laughs> she forgot her to do this bit. <laughs> so she knows how it works. So emotions are generated subconsciously, right? It's an automatic bodily response to certain internal and external events, okay? And we can have a physiological response to them. So during an emotional experience, when you feel really awkward, you might get sweaty palms. You want to check? <laughs> you know, when you get... <laughs> when you get scared, your heart pounds. <laughs> And uh, you get, when you get excited, you get butterflies in your tummy. You know, that's, that's quite a nice feeling sometimes, isn't it? Okay. And we also have a behavioural response to emotions as well. So from the body language that we give off um, as we express them, some people find that really hard to hide. <laughs> you feel something, everyone can see it on your face. Um, to the decisions that we make and the actions that we take um, because of them. And we use the term emotional intelligence to refer to the ability to that we have to read them, to understand them, to anticipate them in ourselves and in other people. Okay? So our emotions that we've been given have been affected by the fall, haven't they? So emotions are not a result of the fall, but they have been affected by the fall. Okay? Emotions have a certain power over our thoughts, and it can be good. So for instance, like when we get scared, we've got fight or flight. We? So that's a good thing. So you either need to run away or you need to stick up for yourself and have a fight. Not that I'm condoning violence or anything. <laughs> okay, so they help us with making decisions and they motivate us and they cause us to take action. And as I said, our, our emotions can be, you know, they are affected by the fall and they can go wrong if they're not kept in check. So, for example, emotions trigger feelings. Our experiences in life are then added to this and then a memory is made and then it gets stored in our brains and it gets recalled next time and we make a similar connection and eventually it can create a mindset and an attitude and it can give us a set of lenses through which we view the world, we view life. And if they are unbalanced and out of control, we can get some really nasty, like horrific, life-hindering stuff like in our heads. So, the fall can cause our emotions to overreact and underreact and affects our responses to them. Um, so I'm just, because of time, I'm just going to skip a few bits, okay? So disgust, so when we're really grossed out or we're just really repelled by something, unchecked, it can lead to severe irritation, leading uh, to extreme anger and then short temper and then as self-control goes out the window, explosions can become a habit and the personality can change and they can become a very angry and bitter person but they weren't born like that, but life experiences and bad habits, etc., thought patterns and unforgiveness can lead a person down the path. That's why we shouldn't be controlled by our emotions and that's why we're instructed to walk by the spirit and renew our minds and remind ourselves of God's values 
and his way of thinking and his viewpoints. So if you think of like the fruits of the spirit, you know, when we walk with God, we're going to bear the fruits of the spirit. And then if you think about the fruits of the flesh, pretty horrible, gets a bit ugly, etc. So perfect emotions, two ticks again. The perfect example of perfect emotions, obviously, is Jesus' emotions. And so what do they look like? So Hebrews, you know that verse, um, it says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. So personally, Jesus was in disgust. He hated the shame. He felt shame. He felt the shame of abandonment. His reputation was being mocked, he was being indecently exposed, his dignity had gone, and he felt sadness for humanity, the condition of man. And we know that he experienced fear in the Garden of Gethsemane when he experienced extreme stress and anxiety. And the joy that was set before him, his emotion, his joy, his happiness, caused him to make a choice and motivated him to do what he did, and it strengthened him. Okay? So just picture the emotion on Jesus's, you know, in Jesus, um, you know, in Mark 10, where he says, like, let all the little kids come to me and don't hinder them. And he took the kids and he took them in his arms. Have you ever seen Tim with a baby in his arms? <laughs> if Tim can get his hands on a baby, right, it's so cute, okay? So just like Tim, Jesus would have been filled with joy, he would have been filled with delight, he would have felt pleasure, he would have giggled, he would have laughed, and he would have played with them. Okay, so, and even think about the prodigal son story, you know, when the father kind of hicks himself up and he runs out to meet his son, and he put aside all his dignity. It wasn't like the done thing for somebody in his position to do. But he felt such delight and such excitement and such happiness that it moved him to do that. And that's God, isn't it? That's a representation of God. He feels such delight. And that verse also in Zephaniah where it says God takes great delight in you and he rejoices over you singing. Yeah. Now when someone rejoices, it's not exactly a standstill experience, is it? You can't just stand I'm so happy. <laughs> really, I am. You know, rejoicing involves jumping up and down. It might dancing, clapping, punching the air, shouting out and singing. And that song that God sings over you isn't a, mm -hmm, yeah, she's okay, sort of thing. It's more like, I'm so excited. <laughs> <Da -da -da. laughs> more like that song. So he feels, and God feels that over us today. You know, God is so excited over us today. And one of the biggest feelings that we see Jesus acting on is compassion. And he did not ever suffer with compassion fatigue at all. You know, like sometimes we can get compassion fatigue. We can see so many adverts on telly about people without water and homeless people and cats and dogs being mistreated, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And sometimes, you know, we just don't even have a response because we get tired of it. Jesus never, ever, ever gets compassion fatigue. So imagine what a fully functional set of emotions in Jesus would look like, unfiltered, complete compassion towards people that he saw when it moved his heart. There was no element of self-absorption or self-preservation. He didn't want to, you know, well, I can't, this affect me too much because I've got to do this later and I've got to do this later, okay? He, he absorbed it and he felt it. So think about what he must have felt like when he saw those lepers outcast from society just thrown away and despised. Think about what he saw 
when he's, um, what he felt when he saw people bring sick people to him in pure desperation because there was no other hope and desperate for him to do something to ease their pain and suffering. And when he stood with that woman that was caught in adultery and he challenged her accusers and he said, who, you know, who's without sin, you cast the first stone. Think about what he must have felt like towards her. And in John 9, you know, when he healed that man that was blind and um, it, not only did he have compassion on him, he, he had, <laughs> excuse me, but, you know, he healed him, he put the mud in his eyes and he healed him. He went after him a second time because he heard that his parents in the temple had not stood with him. They, they kind of, not disowned him, but they said, you know, you ask him. They kind of set him up, this poor guy that had been blind and outcast for all that time. And they didn't defend him. And he was being interrogated in the temple. You know, that must have been really awful and horrific for him. And then he was thrown out of the temple, which is a really big deal. But Jesus went after him a second time to go speak with him again. And Jesus was affected by that. Okay? So Jesus experienced real emotions in these moments. And he didn't just operate in acts of compassion. He actually felt it. He genuinely, inside, felt the turmoil, the, felt the pain. In his guts, he would have had feelings inside his body and his heart was moved by their distress. And, you know, in Isaiah 53, it says, you know, about Jesus carrying our grief and carries our sorrow. So he wasn't just punished in our place, he also suffered with us. He experiences what we experience alongside us. So when we feel sadness, he feels it too. And he doesn't just look on and just say, oh, come on, you know, it's not that bad, pull yourself together. It's like... No, it's, you know, what bothers us bothers him. What makes us feel something affects him. He can't just look at us and just ignore that. He doesn't get compassion fatigue, okay? So another emotion that Jesus got was anger. He got really, really angry. So, you know, in John 2, when he goes to the temple and there's all the money changes, like, he actually, he took time out, I've got this picture in my mind of what it kind of looks like. He was sat down and he made a weapon, he made a whip. He sat down, he was so mad and he sat down and he physically made something with his own hands and he got so mad. I mean, what must that have looked like? He's going around, he flipped the table, scattered the money, drove out all the animals. He was wild with anger. You know, he was full of zeal for his father's house. And it was the one place where the people can, um, you know, go, they can make sacrifices, they can fellowship, they can, you know, connect with God and get reassured of his grace and his favour and stuff. And the people were just putting all these obstacles in the way. And that made him totally, totally mad. He was livid. And can you imagine, you know, like, we seem, sorry to pick on the men again, but when men get angry, right, you know their face goes and they get those vein things, they get veins in, and then they get neck veins and stuff, and sometimes when they're shouting, they get, you know, they spit. So, did Jesus look like that when he got really mad? Because, I mean, that's not something, you know, he didn't exactly go in and just say, uh, excuse me, this is not right, can you move this, please? Come on, animals, out you go, out you go, and chase them out. He was wild. He was wild with anger because it was unjust and it was wrong. And imagine the battle that we didn't see, that we don't, you know, there's not like loads written on it. Like when Jesus defeated Satan 
on the cross when he died. Right? Imagine his fury towards the one who seeks to kill and destroy his bride. Imagine how livid he was. He was, would have been wild with anger. Imagine how angry. Imagine how angry he gets at Satan when he messes with us, when he interferes with our lives, when, he, when you know, we're mistreated in life, when there's injustice. Imagine how angry he gets about that. And this anger is okay. It's, this is righteous anger. He loves us way too much to not be bothered. You know, he can't watch some of the things that goes on in our life, the injustice, the injustice in the world, and not be bothered. He gets angry, okay? He is, you know. And think of the Lazarus story. Oh, I need my phone. Two ticks. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, and it's going to rain. <laughs> right, so the Lazarus story... So, you know, like Lazarus gets sick, doesn't he? His sisters send word to Jesus, you know, please come. Brother's in trouble. He's really unwell. Can you come? You know, and, you know, they want him to heal him. Jesus stays where he is and he doesn't come and he stays that little bit longer and then Lazarus dies. And then he, then he comes and it's Martha that goes out to meet him. Mary's still inside. She's probably too distraught or whatever. And so she went out to meet him. And it says, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews that had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. He was troubled inside. He was really troubled. He felt stuff. He felt anguish, and he felt all of those things. Okay. Um, okay. And then he said, you know, where have you laid him? Come and see, they said. And then Jesus wept. He cried. Mm. He cried tears. Amen. So Jesus was furious. He was furious at death. So death was the object of his wrath at that moment. And him who was behind it all, Satan. Satan had caused his friend, who he deeply loved and deeply cared about, intensely, to suffer and die. He'd caused Lazarus's sisters to experience trauma. Jesus felt all of that. Okay? And he was wild and he was sad. Jesus experienced sadness, he cried. There were tears on his cheek. And just want to share an, an example. When my mum, a few years back, was you know, having a battle with cancer, I remember just like running out of words to pray, running out of things to say, and, and I stood there and I, I shouted, and I said, I'm so flipping angry! <laughs> it's about my mum, because it was just wrong, I was frustrated. And then I heard God say, I'm so angry too, I'm furious. And I just, you know, I know that's a bit funny, but I, you know, he communicated that to me, that he was angry too. He was angry at my mum's suffering. He was angry at the suffering of the family. He, he felt it. He was angry and she didn't get healed. God didn't heal her. And I trust him that there's good reason in that. And I trust him that he works all things together for good. You know, my mum had a, she was a wonderful woman and had a really amazing ministry and you know impacted so many people's lives and you know as much as it hurts so I didn't get what I wanted I trust him with that but he was angry at her loss of life he was angry at our loss of our mum okay nearly done so yes God does get angry but he's not an angry God as some people perceive him to be okay his anger doesn't make him grumpy or puts him in a bad mood he's never got yump like that he just doesn't Okay? He gets angry because he cares and he loves and he's full of compassion and he's protective and he adores and he cherishes. And if he didn't feel anger, 
you can't really feel those things. It's the whole package. Okay? So we could go through all the stories in the Bible, and I would encourage you to do it when you read them, to just think what Jesus was feeling and just ask him, what did you think? What did you feel? What was going through your head at that time? You know, it's just so that we can understand him. When we understand him, when we understand one of our friends more and what makes them tick, we get closer to them, don't we? And I like thinking about that song, Reckless Love. Remember that one? There's no shadow, you won't light up no mountain, you won't climb up. You know, and the bit about there's no wall you won't kick down and no lie you won't tear down coming after me. Now, you don't gently kick down walls. It doesn't work. So could you imagine God furiously kicking down walls furiously tearing down lies because he's moved by compassion and motivated by happiness of uninterrupted connection with us. These things, okay? So when we love someone, we've chosen to make ourselves vulnerable and we're trusting them. We place our heart in their hands and we have given them the capacity to either increase our joy and we've also given them the capacity to hurt us. So love is a risk. It's always a risk. Yeah. And Jesus has taken that risk with us. We have the capacity to increase his joy. We also have the capacity to hurt him and cause him pain because he feels stuff. He has a full set of emotions. So, you know, and I say this without, you know, I don't want anyone to feel condemned or feel guilty or anything like that towards God, uh, towards Jesus, you know, when I say these things. But... It's just purely just so that we know what level of connection yeah. he wants with us and what level of connection he's given us permission with and what the level of connection that he trusts us with. You know, he desires us. He desires our attention, our affection, our trust. He gets affected in a healthy way, of course, when he doesn't get what he wants from us. If he didn't get disappointed and a little bit gutted when he doesn't get what he wants from us, it mean he doesn't care. You know, when we want something and we don't get what we want, there's a little bit of like, oh, you know, if you've arranged to meet up with someone, you're going to spend some time or you're going to go on a date or something like that and you're really excited about it, when it doesn't happen, you get a little bit like, oh, that hurts a bit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and Jesus, Jesus feels that, you know, mm -hmm. but he's not disappointed with us, but he can be disappointed, a little bit gutted that he doesn't <coughs> get what he wants. So, Please don't read into that what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that he, you know, he, he gets the ump with us, he, he judges us and he condemns us or anything like that. But he allows himself to feel things because that's, that's part of connection and relationship. So the point is we are on such a level with Jesus that we can relate to him like this, that he wants to relate to us like this. And we affect him and we stir his heart with joy and happiness and love and we cause him to rejoice and we cause him to sing and punch the air, you know, when he gets excited over us. We cause him to feel excitement. Have you ever thought that Jesus might get butterflies in his belly when he's excited, you know, over us? It's just such a weird thought, isn't it, to think that us, human beings, can affect God the creator of the entire universe. We can affect him. What we do matters to him. Okay? We affect God because he has allowed us to. And he trusts us with his heart. So, just want to take a moment. Let's just take a moment. Shut your eyes. I'm going to shut mine as well. Right? And just let God look at you. Let Jesus look at you right now.
okay? Because he doesn't see anything that's going to put him off. Just let him look at you. Let him look into your heart and into your thoughts, into your plans, and into your future, into your house, into everything. Just let him look at you. Just let him see you. Let his eyes rest upon you. Because he's feeling some pretty amazing stuff right now when he looks at you. You know, he's experiencing joy and happiness. He's experiencing excitement about the things that you can do. He's excited about your skills and your talents and your dreams. He's full of joy with those things. He, he's rejoicing over your love for him, your heart for him your desire for him. You know, he's feeling that right now. <clears throat> so Jesus, we want to be able to give you what you want. And I know that you want things from us. I know that you want our attention, our affection. You know, we've been singing about let us be aware, more aware of your presence. That's what you want. You want us to be more aware of your presence throughout every moment of the day so that it just becomes intertwined in our every thought and process that we have in our minds, that it just becomes normal, that we're just conversing with you and looking at you and you're looking at us and we're aware of that every minute of the day. Jesus, I ask that you would help us to be brave and ask you that question, what do I need to do? Is there anything in the way? What's in the way of me experiencing even more of you? Would you highlight some of those things to us, Lord? Because we want to be so intertwined with you, Jesus. We want to know you so well, so much. And what you feel, Jesus, about things, what you feel about the world, what affects you, you know, the, those, the people out there, our friends, our family, and towards ourselves, we want to we know what you think and feel. We want to be affected by that. I want to be changed yes. by it. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, give you permission to do whatever it is that you need to do to get us in that place. We want so much more, and we thank you that you are so excited about how much more you've got for us. Lord, and you're going to totally blow our minds. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the joy that was set before you when you went to the cross. Thank you that you feel that way towards us. Thank you that we motivate you. And we thank you that you trust us with your heart and it is your desire to connect with us in such an intimate way. Thank you, Jesus. You are an amazing God. There is nothing else that could ever even touch, begin to touch comparing with you and how you do stuff. Thank you. Amen.